topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the host and their guests and not those of W4CS Radio, its employees, or affiliates. W4CS makes no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Support Network on W4CS.com. Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Five to Thrive Live. I am Carolyn Gazella, and I am joined by my co-host, co-author, good friend, Dr. Lise Alshuler. Hello, Lise. How are you? Hello, Carolyn. I am well today. It's awesome. uh, yeah, It's been a good day in paradise. What can I say? How about you? Uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm actually traveling, so I am in beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm, that uh, is a lovely place. It is. I love it. I love it. It's a little windy today, but it's beautiful here. So, yeah, things are things are great. Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. Well, as usual, we have a fantastic show coming up, so I think we should get started. What do you think? I think we should, but you know what, Lise? I would like to remind our listeners, if this is your first time listening to the show, you can check out a ton of information about us at our website, 5 to com. That's all spelled out, 5 to Plan. Dot com. It'll give you tons of information. You can sign up for our, our free Thrive Thoughts. All you have to do is just type in your email and you'll automatically get those Thrive Thoughts. I also want to let you know that we do have a chat room. It's located in the bottom right-hand corner of the website. We'd love to have you join the conversation. If you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, just click on the W4CS radio chat room and you'll be able to do that. Indeed. And last week, you know, we had a a really wonderful show with Ellen Kamhai, who is a registered nurse. She calls herself the natural nurse. She's been doing this for a very, very long time. She's an herbalist. She was on the show talking about some natural strategies for breast cancer prevention. And don't worry, because if you missed that show, you can go back to iheart.com, search 5 to Thrive Live, and you can find that show and listen to it. Definitely worth a listen. And we often feature our past shows on our website as well, 5 to thriveplancom So give a check on our radio page on our website. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ellen Cam here has such a wealth of information and um, gave us some great, great tips on reducing risk of breast cancer. And you know what, Lise, we'd also like to thank the sponsors of this show, who are Cognizant Citicoline, Cetria Glutathione, Suntheanine, and Tomorrow's Nutrition. Gosh, we really, really appreciate our sponsors very much. And Lise, tonight, we're switching gears and we're going to focus on the guys. So uh, we're going to be talking about prostate cancer. 
Yes, indeed. Tonight we're going to actually talk about proactive watchful waiting or active surveillance. Active surveillance is a situation that men who are diagnosed with early stage prostate cancer often find themselves in. So they're diagnosed with cancer, but it's considered to be a slow-growing prostate cancer. They're diagnosed at an early stage, so for many of these men, no conventional treatment is recommended, and instead they're monitored, and typically they're monitored with uh, PSA, which stands for prostate-specific antigen. That's a blood test. So they get the blood test done regularly. They get prostate examinations. So, you know, it's kind of a mixed blessing because while that can certainly be a relief on the one hand, you know, to have cancer and yet not need conventional treatment. On the other hand, it can be really nerve-wracking for these men. Many men in active surveillance would, you know, rather do something, I mean, do anything really to prevent future growth rather than sitting around and just sort of waiting to see what happens. So it's it's a very kind of testy time for these men. Yes, it it definitely is. And fortunately, there's a lot that men can do to improve the health of their prostate and to engage in a uh, proactive risk reduction program. And to give us some ideas about how men can be proactive during watchful waiting, we have a great guest tonight. Joining us is naturopathic oncologist Jen Green. Dr. Green founded the naturopathic department at Beaumont Hospitals in 2008 and served as the department head for five years. She recently published an article in the American Urology Association update series called Natural Medicine for Early Prostate Cancer. So she really knows what she's talking about on this subject. Uh, Currently, Dr. Green maintains a private practice in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. She is the treasurer of the Oncology Association of Naturopathic Physicians. Dr. Green, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Yes, delighted to have you here, Dr. Green. You're you're one of our most knowledgeable experts, and so this is a, a good time to have you on to talk about a very complicated, for many men, and confusing issue. So let's actually start by defining active surveillance, and um, this, by the way, is the new term for watchful waiting, so sometimes those are used somewhat interchangeably, but what's the criteria for being in active surveillance? Mm-hmm. Uh, So, great question. Um, Basically, when someone has a low-risk or slow-growing prostate cancer, um, we stratify or separate men into uh, that low-risk group if their PSA is under 10, like you were mentioning, the prostate-specific antigen, Um, if their PSA doubling time is less than three years, And if their Gleason score, and the Gleason score is a combined measure of the sort of tumor aggressiveness that's found from the initial biopsy, if that is less than or equal to six. And that's a fair amount of men. We don't know exactly how many, but a fairly large percentage of men do fall into that category. And it's really a gray zone because um, guidelines vary from institution to institution. And uh, many men have the option of either active surveillance where they won't get any uh, medication or surgical treatments or something called brachytherapy, which is a type of radiation, local radiation or external beam radiation. They can choose to just be monitored with PSA every three months with the prostate exams. And typically, they'll also do a biopsy at least one year after the initial and then every one to four years after that. So it's not as if um, 
So as the name implies, active surveillance, these men are being followed quite closely to make sure that the tumors aren't becoming aggressive or going in the wrong direction. But a fairly high percentage of these tumors will either stay put, never become aggressive, or even remit. The PSA can go down in many instances. So it's a great way for us to figure out who is worth watching patiently uh, without interfering too soon and taking the risk of some of the interventions. Interesting. And I have to say, I've really liked when the term changed from watchful waiting to active surveillance because watchful waiting, it, it just seems like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm waiting and watching and there's really nothing I can do. Whereas active surveillance, just the term active and the fact that, you know, um, these guys are, are being watched closely, I think is just really, um, Just a a better way to uh, frame it. And I'm wondering, Dr. Green, how long do men diagnosed with early stage prostate cancer uh, typically remain in active surveillance? Do most men eventually require treatment? I know you mentioned that uh, some of these can Mm -hmm. remit, and uh, but is there a time period where they remain in active surveillance? Great question. We certainly need more research on this, but in one study, 11% of men in active surveillance eventually did require a prostatectomy, but that means that uh, 81% of the men were followed very long-term, and that's actually why some of this research is, much of this research is still in progress, because we're following these men for 10, 15 years, so the trials don't have their data yet, because this is a newer thing that we do, active surveillance, and it's so successful that many of these men are just getting regular blood tests, and that's it, and and they're not requiring interventions. So uh, while we do need a lot more data collection in this area, it does seem to be uh, quite a successful strategy. You know, and I wanted to go back uh, real quick to something you said. You mentioned um, the the PSA doubling time, and that needs to be less than three years. But that's a, a number that can be generated from several uh, measures it within that three years and they project out. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Great clarification. And uh, and if it looks like it's going to double in about three years, then typically they will intervene with one of the standards of care. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Well, we have a lot more to ask and we're going to get down to some nitty gritty and some, some proactive strategies for these men. But right now it's time for our first break. So stay tuned and we will be right back. Stress is a major part of our daily lives. We worry, feel stressed out, sleepless, and sapped of energy. Fortunately, there's a natural product that can help. L-theanine is a special amino acid found in green tea that induces a state of relaxation while keeping the brain alert and active. Suntheanine is a natural patented form of L-theanine from Tomorrow's Nutrition. Suntheanine has been clinically proven to improve focus, enhance concentration, and reduce stress without drowsiness while improving sleep quality. For more information, visit tomorrowsnutrition.com. As a special bonus, listeners get 20% off any product by mentioning 5 to Thrive. Live better, save money, and thrive at tomorrowsnutrition.com. We are constantly being bombarded by toxins in the air we breathe, water we drink, and even the foods we eat. So what's the answer? Glutathione. It's inside every cell in your body and protects you from the damage of oxidative stress and toxins. There's a special patented form of glutathione 
that is superior called Cetria. Cetria is pure, vegetarian, and allergen-free. Help replenish your body's reserves of this very important nutrient, detoxified in a natural way. Visit cetriaglutathione.com. That's cetriaglutathione.com. Are you interested in boosting your brain power? So am I. This is Carolyn Gazella, co-host of 5 to Thrive Live, and I'm here to tell you about a supplement that I take. The human brain needs a lot of nutrition to stay focused throughout the day. Citicoline naturally enhances energy-producing centers within the brain. Cognizin delivers a clinically tested, patented form of citicoline that supplies your brain with the energy it needs to stay sharp. Look for Cognizin on the label, or for more information, visit Cognizin.com. That's Cognizin.com. Welcome back to Five to Thrive Live. I am Carolyn Gazella, and I am joined by my co-host, Dr. Lise Olashuler. And tonight, we're talking with Dr. Jen Green, who is sharing insight into proactive, watchful waiting for men diagnosed with early-stage prostate cancer. There's a chat room located in the bottom right-hand corner of the website. If you click on General Chat, you'll be able to type your question or join this conversation. We'd love to have you join the conversation. Indeed. Okay, so Dr. Green, why do you, because I know this is a true statement for you, but why do you view active surveillance as such an opportunity for natural health care? Mm-hmm. It's really the perfect opportunity, uh, Lise, because it's a time when men are really highly motivated to make those health behavioral changes. Many of them have been wanting to exercise more or wanting to get their sleep in order or wanting to eat better. But um, certainly hearing the words you have prostate cancer act as a big catalyst and motivator to help um, men make those changes they've been probably wanting or knowing they would want to do for quite a while. So it it helps them um, do things that would ultimately not only impact their prostate cancer risk, but also their cardiovascular health, their mental health. Um, it's just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to um, improve lifestyle and um, and make life better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the fact that it does uh, put men into a proactive stance um, to reduce, you know, to, to have an impact on the illness. So, you know, as I mentioned, Dr. Green, when I introduced you, you mm-hmm. recently co-authored a paper on proactive surveillance that was published in the American Urology Association Update Series. Congratulations on that. It was a wonderful uh publication there. Now, in that paper, you and your co-authors reviewed several evidence-based interventions for active surveillance. So mm-hmm. I'd like to have us start by reviewing some of those evidence-based interventions, beginning with diet. So what are your key dietary recommendations? Great. And, and um, in many ways, many of the dietary recommendations are quite similar to other cancers that we would look at, like breast or colon. Um, some of the things that are a little bit unique to prostate cancer, I'd also like to go over. Um, the main uh, 
evidence-based recommendation for active surveillance is actually a low-fat diet. We have four randomized controlled trials on that with a very highly significant difference in one of the RCTs, especially randomized controlled trials, um, on the need to move on for further treatment. So basically doing a low-fat diet, uh, relatively short intervention, teaching men how to how to follow a low-fat diet was highly successful in preventing prostate cancer from progressing. Increasing vegetarian products, so fruits, vegetables, beans, and whole grains, especially cruciferous vegetables, are a, an evidence-based recommendation. Um, consuming small fish such as sardines, anchovies, and herring is wonderful. Decreasing that saturated animal fat, the processed red meat, milk, and dairy products um, is an important aspect, again, of moving into that lower fat, more slightly more vegetarian-based diet. Uh, minimizing alcohol, which is not a huge surprise that there would be a link there. And then a few other things that are a little bit more unique. Um, one is to drink pomegranate juice, uh, potentially an 8-ounce glass daily, and increasing cooked and raw tomatoes, uh, drinking organic green tea, including organic soy milk. I know we're going to get to that more in detail afterwards. And then one that I that I think often gets overlooked for men is ground flax seeds. Uh, we have two pilot studies and one follow-up randomized control trial showing a fairly large impact of three rounded tablespoons of ground flax seeds on the proliferation rates on biopsies. So very, very encouraging stuff. And you're taking a nice fiber as well. So again, these types of recommendations are good for the prostate, but they're also good for the heart. Yeah, and, I, and I'm glad you brought up the flax seeds because that's an important clarification that when you say low fat, you're really talking specifically about low saturated fat, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the healthy fats are good to go, such as that, uh, such as what we find in seeds and nuts, those nice omega-3s. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so people are eating well, they've reduced their saturated fat, they've incorporated their seeds and their nice colorful fruits and vegetables, which we'll get more to in a moment. And now you, I'm sure, are going to recommend some exercise. So how much and how strenuous should exercise be to exert some preventive effects? Mm -hmm. So in terms of preventing prostate cancer, we have a small but fair reduction in risk of prostate cancer for men who re exercise regularly three to five times weekly. And uh, what we also see is a modest to strong decrease in fatal prostate cancer. So it's, you know, it might have less of an impact on initial diagnosis, partly because diagnosis is so common, and we're going to see that also with fish oil, same sort of pattern, doesn't have a huge impact on your risk of getting it. But if you're exercising and if you're taking fish oil, your risk of actually dying from that cancer or having a more aggressive type of cancer is really reduced. So we want to think about at least three to five times weekly and having the heart rate elevated is um, something I always add into that mix just because of the cardiovascular health involved. Mm -hmm. So uh, would this be um, considered like would a, would a man work up a good sweat that would that would be considered you know strenuous enough? Yeah. Yeah. And some people will get very particular about it and use a heart rate monitor or, you know, there's a lot of new technologies out there for monitoring um, how many steps you take. I think the main thing is when we do a little bit more vigorous exercise, then we release more endorphins, the immune system gets more upregulated. So if men can include some 
you know, <laughs> breathing heavy, sweating a little type of vigorous exercise, that's important to, to include in, in the plan. Absolutely. Okay, now I know you also recommend adequate sleep, and we t- try to talk about sleep a lot because it's so important. But specific to men with early-stage prostate cancer, why is sleep so significant, and, and how much sleep should a man get? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, So we have a systematic review, thank goodness I didn't have to do all that work, um, where they looked at 15 out of 16 studies showed that sleep disruption um, was associated with an increased risk in prostate cancer. Um, Ten out of those studies were statistically significant, Um, five showed a trend but weren't statistically significant, and one showed no association. So, you know, it's not 100% clear, but certainly the strong suggestion is that people who have disrupted sleep, whether it be through shift work or who are waking multiple times and not able to fall back asleep, um, are at increased risk of prostate cancer. And and sleep is foundational, as as we all know, and many things can interrupt sleep. a lot of sleep disturbances that I see in clinical practice are related to cortisol dysregulation or stress hormones really waking people up throughout the night. So that's um, sort of a logical one that we want to try and normalize that pattern so that stress hormones aren't suppressing the immune system and making us gain weight around the middle and all that stuff. Um, But the other thing is that melatonin and peak melatonin levels are very protective in general for solid tumors. So we want to make sure that men are getting at least seven hours of uninterrupted sleep. And when I say uninterrupted, many older men will wake to urinate and then fall back asleep. That doesn't count as an interruption. Um, But when they're waking up and really taking 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes to fall back asleep. Uh, good clarification on that, waking to urinate. That's actually, I'm sure, a relief mm-hmm. to, to many of our listeners. So uh, let's switch gears a little bit because there are so many individual natural compounds that are so exciting in their okay. potential role to benefit these men with uh, early stage prostate cancer. Since we have a limited amount of time, I want to dive right in. And we're going to start off with one of my very favorites, which is lycopene. So maybe you can tell us what lycopene is and what it does and how men can find it and what they should do with it. Great. Yes, I'm a lover of lycopene as well. Um, Lycopene is a red pigment, which is a carotenoid. Um, And what's interesting about this red pigment is it's fat-loving or lipophilic. It's fat-soluble, and it'll really... uh, concentrate in our blood, in our prostates, if we're men, in our adrenal glands, which I think is interesting, in our lungs, in our colon, and in our skin. And it's found naturally in tomatoes, watermelon, pink grapefruit, apricots, and pink guava. Uh, But by far the highest concentration is in tomatoes and tomato products. Um, If you look at just one cup of tomato juice, that's 23 milligrams of lycopene. And to kind of put that in perspective, that's pretty close to the 30 milligram capsule dose that was used in most of the lycopene studies. So we have um, seven randomized control trials on lycopene for early prostate cancer, and six of those showed improvements in the outcome measures. So very, very promising. Um, Now what's more in vogue in the last couple of studies that have come out is combining lycopene with other natural agents like soy or like turmeric or or whatnot. 
But in and of itself, it's a fairly easy recommendation to make for men to increase their cooked and raw tomatoes and even think about something like a tomato juice once a day. Mm, interesting. And, you know, Lise likes lycopene. Well, I am a big, big fan of another red-colored natural substance which has shown benefit uh, for men, and that's pomegranate. So why is pomegranate helpful? Wonderful. So um, pomegranate is is a bioflavonoid, just just like lycopene. It has a lot of um, antioxidant activity. Uh, what's so interesting about pomegranate, well, first of all, we have fewer studies, but all of them very positive. One randomized control trial and one clinical trial showing an increase in the PSA doubling time. So that's significant because that harkens back to um, trying to extend the time where treatment is delayed because you're staying in active surveillance. Um, but what's extra neat about pomegranate juice is that that it increases um, intravenosal blood flow, which basically means it helps erectile activity. Um, it decreases fibrosis. So I really think about pomegranate as key immediately post-radiation, if there is radiation, or in the um, active surveillance time in men who are having some changes in erectile function. Very important, and you know that's a whole other topic that we should probably do a show on is sexual dysfunction in relationship to prostate cancer because it certainly can be quite an issue. So that's a good thing to tuck away. Um, okay, so we made our way through the reds. So let's um, go to a beverage and uh, of the green variety. So let's talk about green tea. What's the data on green tea in mm-hmm. the period of active surveillance? Mm-hmm. We had a a lovely uh, trial um, done on 60 men who had high-grade intraepithelial neoplasia. That's a fancy word for early, early or uh, pre-prostate cancer. And uh, they were given 600 milligrams of green tea extract for a year. And the the incidence of prostate cancer uh, was 30% in the control group and 3% in the green tea group. Then they did a follow-up after two years and basically found that that improved even more. So that spread um, was even greater. So it's only one trial and it is certainly a small trial, but extremely, extremely promising because it was well-designed, well-constructed and showed very real impacts in on green tea and the ability to prevent um, prostate cancer from progressing from this pre-cancerous uh, state to a cancerous state. So I will always recommend in active surveillance to do some green tea extract. Um, I'll often do it in capsules instead of the tea just because you need to drink an awful lot of the tea and uh, that can cause a lot of urination in men who may possibly already have urinary symptoms, but um, just a wonderful, wonderful ally. Yeah, and I love the fact that you're talking about the scientific studies because I think that there is a myth that some of these natural substances don't have clinical studies associated with them. So I I love that. And uh, Mm -hmm. also, before we leave this topic of green tea, that's actually a, a, a real key supplement in the Five to Thrive plan. And we always recommend that when you're drinking green tea, it should be organic, or even if it's an uh, ingredient in a dietary supplement, um, you can get organic green tea, which I think is is important as well. And now, Dr. Green, I'd like to talk a little bit about soy. 
because mm-hmm. soy soy can be confusing, you know, <laughs> you know, for both men and women with hormonally yeah. related cancers. So, what's your take on soy? Should men diagnosed with prostate cancer eat soy? Mm-hmm. Uh, the short answer is yes. Um, how much or how little it'll actually impact prostate cancer. Um, uh, progression is up for grabs because we have a lot of mixed research on this. Um, one of the things that's hard to do when evaluating all of the different studies that have been soy, and there's quite a number of them, um, is that each study has used slightly different doses. So it's hard to compare the studies um, and they've used different outcomes as well. So in general, um, this the evidence is mixed regarding how powerful soy is in preventing um, PSA progression and uh, and progression um, of the aggressiveness of the type of cancer. What we do know is it certainly doesn't do harm. We also know that it decreases cholesterol and is probably a good idea for heart health. Um, and that soy's strength really comes out during radiation treatment. Now, active surveillance isn't by its nature during radiation, but I found a very compelling uh, double-blind randomized control trial showing that soy as an adjunct in radiation really reduced urinary side effects, intestinal side effects, and sexual adverse effects in patients with prostate cancer. So it may not be as powerful as some of the other therapies like green tea and pomegranate and lycopene in the active surveillance phase, but it definitely still has a role to play in prostate cancer treatment. And maybe something that men can use to help them transition off of the higher fat um, laden proteins like red meat and so forth. You know, tofu can be made into almost anything, including burgers and <laughs> that yes. kind of thing. So yeah. certainly has a role there. So um, what, you know, you've given us a lot of data and one could be listening to this thinking, okay, you know, maybe even taking notes and they might have a bit of a list now. So how do you prioritize these recommendations to men diagnosed with active surveillance? Are you just choosing one or two or do you think that men are best served if they take and use all of these things? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great question. And uh, one of the things that is true from our research in, in prostate cancer and in other areas of cancer as well is that there tends to be a synergy between different natural agents. So when you use a combination, even if it's low dose of each of them, you can still get quite a good impact. Um, so a research example of this would be a double-blind study that was done on pomegranate, green tea, broccoli powder, and curcumin, showing that it uh, decreased the median increase in PSA, so that's very encouraging. Um, what this would mean practically, though, is you can, if, if you're amenable to, let's say, a smoothie, you can take a smoothie where you do a cup of soy milk and a cup of pomegranate juice and ground flax seeds and some organic mixed berries, maybe even a little tablespoon of fish oil, and you've incorporated all of the different dietary interventions into one drink. So um, if you hate smoothies, it's not a great option. But if you don't mind a morning smoothie with your soy milk, you've got eight or nine grams of protein. You could add another protein powder if you wanted or do some, you know, hemp seeds or pumpkin seeds ground at the bottom of the blender to begin with. But it makes a really nice smoothie and is fairly easy to incorporate all into one drink. That's a great idea. Uh, Now, you mentioned fish oil. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe even a couple times. And there's actually been some controversy associated with fish oil, specifically when it comes to prostate cancer. So what's your take on this? Should men supplement? I mean, it seems like you're, you're saying, yes, supplement with fish oil. But mm-hmm. help us, help us uh, understand what was going on there. Yeah, that controversy um, arose in July of 2013 when a a study by Bratsky was done um, looking at, it was embedded in another epidemiological study, so the study wasn't originally intended to look at fish oil and prostate cancer specifically, but basically they went through and uh, mined data from this um, larger trial and um, they had ha- they happened to have done a single measure of serum fatty acids in the blood. So they s- separated that out into a high versus a low group, um, which only had about a 0.18% variation, um, and said the high group must mean they're having lots of fish oil and the low group must mean they're not having much fish or fish oil. Um, and then they looked at prostate cancer risk, and they concluded that the, the higher... Um, fatty acid uh, group had an increased risk of prostate cancer. And there was a number of problems with that study. Um, One, the main one being that it wasn't intended to answer the question, how does fish oil affect prostate cancer risk? And we'll get to other studies that cover that question much more appropriately. But also the, the main issue with that is that a single meal of salmon the day before the test would have resulted in men being assigned to the high omega-3 arm oil, regardless of what their long-term dietary patterns were. So in general, when we do research on diet, we will survey what people are actually eating, either while they're eating it, which is the most accurate, or retrospectively, we ask men what they've eaten in the past, which is a little less accurate. we have 12 case-controlled studies and 12 cohort studies, all that were asking the specific question, what are men eating and what is their prostate cancer risk? And a meta-analysis of those 24 different studies showed that there was a 63% decrease in prostate cancer death in those with the highest fish consumption. And to give you an idea of the sort of types of studies that were included in them, one was a Harvard Health Professional study, which was a massive study, extremely large. The other was a Swedish study that followed men over 30 years, asking them periodically how much fish they ate. So really much, much more accurate studies assessing how fish oil and fish consumption impact prostate cancer. And and what we can take from all that very robust evidence, what we can take home from that is, Fish oil and high high um, omega three fish consumption doesn't impact the risk of prostate cancer very much at all. Um, but what it does do is prevent the most aggressive types and prevent men from dying from it. And again, I think part of the reason why you see that big difference as with some of the other natural agents, is that prostate cancer is so prevalent, one in seven men, um, that many people are going to get diagnosed and it's hard to prevent that. What we do want to work on preventing, like with the active surveillance, is really the aggressive forms. So that's the scoop on fish oil. I mean, it was all the headlines. It was, I'm sure everyone experienced this who's in naturopathic practice. All these calls I was getting from a million zillion prostate cancer patients. Oh my gosh, do I need to stop my fish oil? Um, And uh, it was just a whole lot of hype. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Boy, you know, fish oil is like our, our scapegoat nutrient, it seems, because <laughs> it just it gets a bad – every time a study's done that's a negative on fish oil, it gets plastered all over the media. Yes. And, in fact, there was one that just was released last week on fish oil during chemotherapy. Um, again, not designed to answer the question. And, um, you know, of course, it's getting a lot of play, which really it, it doesn't deserve, in my opinion. But poor little fish oil. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so fish oil's in. So yeah. what's out? Are there any things that men should, in fact, avoid when they're in the period of active surveillance? Oh, really, really good question. And I'm especially important because a lot of men um, will do things that they have heard are good for prostate cancer that we might have studied and now know might not be a good idea. So the, the three things to avoid um, in active surveillance uh, are excessive multivitamin use. So that's using more than seven multivitamin servings a week. Um, that increased risk of prostate cancer. Um, using vitamin E as alpha-tocopherol, 400 IU, increased risk of prostate cancer significantly. And that was um, heartbreaking to learn, but also very important to learn. That came out of the SELECT trial, a very large, very robust um, intervention with selenium and vitamin E uh, to try and prevent prostate cancer. And um, unfortunately, the vitamin E as that particular form of alpha-tocopherol was really not healthy. So I encourage men to discontinue that type of vitamin E. And also using zinc over 100 milligrams can really increase genitourinary complications, which basically means um, men will get more urinary tract infections if they're taking too much zinc. Now, I don't often ever encounter that. Men typically don't take more than 100 milligrams of zinc. Usually it comes in 25 to 30 milligram capsules, but uh, it's just one to keep an eye on is another potential risk of harm. Oop, and one more, I should say folic acid, one milligram. Um, did increase the risk of prostate cancer. And it can be challenging to know what to do for men who might be um, taking folic acid for stroke prevention or for homocysteine. So that's something that you really have to see your practitioner about to try and weigh the risks and benefit of that folic acid supplementation. You know, going back to your um, your prohibitions, uh, mm -hmm. on the list is the multivitamin. I know that came from some studies, but um, when you look at the typical multivitamin that's included in those studies, you're really looking at a one-a-day type yeah. of multivitamin, which is pretty much all synthetic uh, vitamins. There's not only the alpha-tocopherol form of vitamin E that you mentioned, but there's isolated beta-carotene typically, which has been yeah. shown to be problematic, folic acid. So um, would you just, and this is kind of stepping off the well-researched path, but as a mm -hmm. clinician, would mm -hmm. you suspect that perhaps a well-designed, good quality multivitamin might be okay for these men? Absolutely, absolutely. And luckily, we have some newer products and newer formulations on the market that are without made without the folic acid, without the beta carotene, um, without the iron that are more appropriate for uh, cancer survivors. Yes, and Dr. Green, before I ask my last question, mm -hmm. um, specifically about the type of vitamin E, so is there a safe form of vitamin E that uh, men can take? That's a great question. No one has studied uh, the tocotrienols. 
um, and the mixed tocopherols, which uh, I do use quite quite frequently in my practice. Um, so definitively to the degree that we would like to see the research out there, uh, no, but certainly our best guess given the data in animals, um, the other forms of vitamin E are safe and have cancer, um, anti-cancer activities. Okay, yeah, that's what I was, I was wondering. So now it, I have to say, you have just really provided us with a lot of hope for yeah. men in active surveillance to help them turn the tide. In your uh, private practice, in your clinical practice, what have you been seeing um, in this group of men? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was very timely because I just had a, a patient last week um, who's under active surveillance whose PSA went from 6.4 to 4.3 in a very short period of time, um, you know, six to eight weeks type of time period. So uh, what I see, it's not always that dramatic, to be honest. It was just a nice example and very timely with this radio show. But um, what I generally see is not only that we'll see PSA stabilization or improvement, like in this person's case, but also that a lot of men who might have been struggling with hypertension, their blood pressure will come down with the new diet and exercise and smoothie regime, um, that they might notice more energy, that they're feeling well, um, that the exercise might have a mood, a positive mood impact. So again, it's not just that um, I see some improvements locally with prostate health, but that holistically and globally, um, men are feeling better with these kinds of approaches. Yeah, and that's worth its weight in gold right there. So, Dr. Green, this has been a pleasure. You're clearly a wealth of information. How can people find you? Do you have a website that you can share sure. with us? It's www.drdrjengreen.com. Great. drjengreen.com. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Green. Can I yes. give one last little tip? Um, and that yeah. is I wanted to share a free prostate cancer support website. Uh, it's myroadahead.org. Um, as I mentioned, it's a free website that is a mind-body um, program to help men with prostate cancer connect with other men in similar situations, work through some of the distress that can be associated with a prostate cancer diagnosis. Um, there was a really great study on it showing that it statistically decreased distress for men who did the program. So anyone who's in that situation, I encourage you to check it out, myroadahead.org. Perfect. Fantastic. Sounds like a great resource. Well, Dr. Green, thank you so much for joining us. It's time for our final break. When we come back, Dr. Alshuler and I will continue this conversation. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Green tea is good for us. It's a key part of the 5 to Thrive plan. What if you don't care for the taste of green tea? And with so many green tea supplements, how do you choose? No one wants to waste their money on a poor quality product. And I know I want organic to avoid the harmful toxins. That's why you should choose Sunfinin. Sunfinin from Tomorrow's Nutrition gives you the highest quality green tea possible and they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They have confidence in the quality of all their products. As a special offer to 5 to Thrive listeners, Tomorrow's Nutrition will give you 20% off your order. 
go to tomorrowsnutrition.com and type in the code 5 to thrive when you check out and you'll automatically receive 20% off your order. Get quality, get results, get Sunfinin green tea from Tomorrow's Nutrition. That's tomorrowsnutrition.com and don't forget to type in the code 5 to thrive to get 20% off your order. Welcome back to 5 to Thrive Live. If you've just joined us, I am Carolyn Gazella, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Lise Allschuler. And we just had a great conversation about active surveillance for men diagnosed with prostate cancer. Our guest was Dr. Jen Green. And I have to tell you, Lise, I know that you've had Dr. Green on the show before, but this was my first time with Dr. Green. And I just loved how she was able to talk about the science and talk to us in very practical terms. She gave um, our listeners some great advice when it when it came to the subject. Absolutely, yeah. She really, I think, being able to you know have the, um, the state of mind to go to the research and really follow the the trail of of where that takes us is a really important thing for a clinician to do. And you know, she's presented that in a way that makes it very understandable. I think that your your question to her about hope was really perfect because. Boy, after listening to all of all of that, I would imagine that men and their partners are thinking, okay, there's actually a lot I can do. In fact, boy, my list is long. I better get started. <laughs> I know. My list is too. <laughs> so go ahead. Get started. <laughs> oh, no. I meant – oh, no, no, no. I'm – yes. Well, oh, I'm not I a see. man. I meant, I meant the men are thinking <laughs> – <laughs> My list is long. I oh, better I get started. I thought you were you had a long list to go over, but you know, and you're you're right. I mean, it's very it's very positive. And you know, it's interesting because she snuck in a couple of statistics, and that statistic I didn't realize that one in seven men would be uh, will be diagnosed with prostate cancer. I didn't realize it was that it was that much. So I mean, this is a really uh, prevalent. Uh, illness and something that men need to be aware of. Now, the other statistic I wanted to bring up that is on my list of things to discuss um, is that concept that 81% of these men who are doing active surveillance are followed and, and don't ever need treatment. 81%. I think that's, a, a, that's, that's amazing to me. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, I think a lot, uh, I think that Dr. Green also said something very interesting about um, why she thinks this is such a prime opportunity, which is that she sees these men as being very motivated. They're kind of scared by the diagnosis and they're ready to make some significant changes. And I bet that that's true for 81% of those 81%. Actually, I think it's 89. I think she might have done her math a little bit wrong, but whatever it is, that over two-thirds of all men, I bet over two-thirds of them are ready to make some lifestyle changes, and yet I bet most of them are not given the opportunity nor the encouragement to do just that, which is really a shame because, boy, this is a great opportunity to keep yourself from getting prostate cancer, hopefully, or developing it into a more aggressive disease, I guess is more accurately stated. And the nice thing is that all those things that men are going to be incorporating have other Benefits, improved cardiovascular function, we didn't even discuss, but benefits on mental uh, cognitive functioning, 
reduce risk of insulin resistance and diabetes, better weight management. I mean, just a lot of other benefits will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Better better sleep. It kind of reminded me of uh, women diagnosed with triple negative because women diagnosed with a triple negative breast cancer um, aren't given a lot of options after their chemotherapy ends. And that's where integrative medicine and, and taking a proactive stance with the Five to Thrive plan is great for those women. It kind of reminded me of that with the guys. And I'll tell you one thing. One thing I loved was Dr. Green's... Uh, uh, clarification on fish oil. I mean, she talked about that study that got all the press and she really cleared it up and really uh, came to a great conclusion about the benefits of fish oil uh, for guys who've been diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer. Well, that was, uh, you probably missed all that because I was muted. Yes, that I was did. really well stated, I said. <laughs> I'm like, and, where uh, is <laughs> I was stunned into silence by your comment. <laughs> no, actually, it's uh, very, very, very true. And um, I think that the other thing that if we had to sort of step back and, and encapsulate her recommendations, they're very doable. I mean, you can get through half or more of what she recommended without taking a single supplement. So this is, you know, with the smoothie and eating some tomato juice or some tomato paste, you've got more than half of what she talked about. And then the rest perhaps with some supplementation. But that that really makes this a very doable strategy because this is not something men can expect benefits from after doing it only for a week or two. This is a multi-year prevention strategy. Yeah, and I wanted to ask her, and I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you, what's the deal with cruciferous vegetables? First of all, remind our listeners what's in that category, but why cruciferous vegetables specifically with prostate cancer? Yeah, you know, and she's a little bit more up on the research than I am, but from what I know about cruciferous vegetables, there's a couple of things that they do uniquely. Um, one is that they have a very unique impact on stem cells, and stem cells are, you can kind of think of as the progenitor or the, the sort of the mother cell of, of tumors, and when you have a mutated stem cell, then unless you can do something to quiet that stem cell down, the tumor will continue to grow because that stem cell will continue to try to regenerate it. And cruciferous vegetables have some compounds in them which specifically decrease the activity of those stem cells. Um, there's also quite a lot of research on a compound that is found in cruciferous vegetables in its parent compound called indole-3-carbonyl. Mm -hmm. And one of the derivatives, which is called DIM or diendylmethane, which is Actually, the research is done on a very specific extract, bioresponse DIM, but there's some very compelling clinical research on that ingredient and a multitude of effects of bioresponse DIM on reducing prostate cancer, re increasing the doubling time, lowering PSAs. Mm -hmm. So there, there's actually quite a good body of research that's emerging with that. Well, great. Great explanation. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, this has been a fantastic show, and we have another interesting show lined up for you next week. Next week, we're going to be talking to Dr. Isaac Ilias about a very unique and exciting herbal compound called Hinochiol. Hinochiol is one of the mainstays of my practice, actually. I use it a lot. You really don't want to miss out on this opportunity to learn about Hinochiol from one of the most preeminent researchers on the compound. So be sure to tune in next week to learn about Hinochiol from Dr. Dr. Elias.
Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that show. And I want to remind our listeners that you can stay in touch with us via Facebook and Twitter. Just type in 5 to Thrive and you will find us. Enjoy the rest of your evening, everyone. May you experience joy, laughter, and love. Okay, Lise, what time is it? It's time to thrive. Have a great night. Yay!